Hello, and welcome to the Busted Backlog, the show where we take a deep dive into the games that we've played recently. So join us on this nautical adventure as we dive into Man of Medan. The interactive movie Man of Medan, which is part of the Dark Pictures Anthology, was made by Supermassive Games. It's currently available for $20, but if you want it in a bundle with its sequel Little Hope, you can get it for $50. Me and my dad played it on Game Pass on Series X, but you can get it on Xbox, PlayStation 4, or PC. Quick correction, though. The game is available on Game Pass. I actually do own a digital copy of the game, and that that's the version we technically played, but it's the same thing. It, it, it doesn't yeah. really make a big difference. Anyways... So I want to talk a little bit about our our co-op experience this time because unlike the other games that we've played together, this time we actually did get to have some game time for for Dom, not just watching me play. So in this game, we each took control of a handful of characters and just passed the controller when it was relevant. So not the most in-depth multiplayer but it, it is a way to experience this game so there's six playable characters um five of them are relevant uh you want to run down who we all played as i took fliss and conrad who are who who, who, are, who are fliss and conrad fliss is the captain of the ship that we're on for a good chunk of the game the beginning part mostly and conrad is like it, he's just kind of a rich jerk <laughs> who likes girls a lot. And he's the brother to another character. Yes, he's the brother to Julia. Yes, and I had Julia, who's Conrad's sister. She's spoiled rich kid, uh, paid for the trip. And then I had her boyfriend, Alex, um, who's like a jock type character. Uh, really well put together, kind of condescending, uh, at least in the beginning. But like, yeah, not... kind of suck at the beginning. Well, that's true. But like, not for financial stuff. More for like life choices. He's condescending, which is okay, I guess. And then I had his brother Brad, who's like the stereotypical n- nerdy character. And I did say there were six. And the sixth uh, character is like um, a prelude type character. You play as Joe, and his story is just setting up. Like, the events of the the bulk of the game. Yes. Okay, with that laid out, let's talk about the story as a whole. So, Dom, where did we start uh, with, with Joe? Uh, as Joe, we are a soldier going from... We're, we're, um, we're in the Navy, specifically. And we're going from, I think it was China to America? And we start out in this like kind of carnival area with our friend god what was our friend's name irrelevant <laughs> it's true either way uh we are for fortune told uh the fortune teller told us something bad about our son uh and then we got mad so we went and hit stuff with our friend uh, aka we learned how quick time events work in this game <laughs> yeah it was a tutorial and then after that, they both got back to the ship drunk, like very drunk, which the apparently their captain was not tolerant of at all. I mean, so, this is like post World War II, shortly right. thereafter, and they're 
you know, yeah. messing around. They were belligerently drunk. Yes. And so one was put into sick bay because of in- of pre-existing injuries, and one was put into the brig. Uh, Joe, our character, was put into the sick bay because he got punched. Uh, oh, I thought, he, I thought it said pre-existing conditions. Yeah, later. pre-existing, he got punched. That's true. <laughs> for acting a fool. That's true. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Joe wakes up a few hours later and... Everyone is dead. <laughs> no one... He gets up, there's no one there. Uh, he opens a locker for a dead body to fall out. Much to his surprise. So he looks around, find his fr- finds his friend in the brig, and they explore the ship together. Seeing, at ha- seeing how everyone was dead and they were the only ones left well not quite because while they were exploring the ship they did have to take a moment to hide from their commanding officer uh, oh, yeah. who was running down the hallways like a madman with a gun yes and uh firing wildly into the, uh, the yeah. next room so that's where we learned the next mechanic which is staying calm so it's, it's kind of like weird. um plays like a little bit like a rhythm game so you have to hit a in time with like the heartbeats and it gets progressively faster as like the situation gets more tense and the idea is that if you do that you're remaining calm and not um enraging the the crazy man with the gun directly in front of you as i think you typically shouldn't (laughs) yeah you know probably not a good idea to enrage anybody but the man with the gun is probably the worst to enrage yes uh, after that, they get to the cargo hold, uh, where there's, like, this mist everywhere. And then you walk around, you split up with your friend, just to find your friend dead later. Yeah, shortly thereafter. Yes. And then you turn around, then there's a kid who, like, just books it towards you. And you have yeah. a heart attack. A little, little demon child who... Yeah. Yeah has his way with you and then (laughs) flash flash forward to 2019 the release year of this game and we meet up with the rest of our cast yes uh it starts out with alex giving a lecture to brad about being cool around his friends which like i do kind of wonder how they all met because they kind of feel like they're in different, like... Well, Brad and Alex were siblings, and then Conrad and Julia are siblings. Well, and I then... know how the siblings met. I don't know how... So, like... I don't know how Julia and Alex met, but yeah. that's the reason that Brad and Conrad met, and then they hired Fliss. Yes. Uh, so, Alex is lecturing Brad to be cool around his friends, because he cares about them. I personally think it's kind of a crappy thing to do because he was essentially just saying, "Don't be you in front of my friends." Yeah, not not the nicest thing to do. But he did lecture him on not taking scuba diving lessons before they go scuba diving, because which was dumb. <laughs> on this adventure, we're looking for what? We're looking for a sunken airplane, I think. Yeah. So Brad, being the um, quintessential nerd of the group. Um, was able to somehow figure out where an airplane would have crashed um, and get him and his friends there before any other explorers would have. So with his 
I think pure was... nerd skills and the power <laughs> of the internet, he found this sunken plane, and thus that's where they. I think it was for. Conrad that tipped Brad off to it. No, this they had it figured out beforehand. Oh, okay. And then Conrad was like, "Yeah, have a beer." <laughs> yeah, Conrad is very much that stereotypical like party dude who like sees a girl and is like i'm gonna hit on her hey do you want a beer like he was just doing that the whole time yeah like uh yeah (laughs) i don't have anything to add just yeah he he was kind of he was kind of annoying at first and just kind of seemed like a dumb dude yeah and then uh you had fliss who was the the captain and she's was a stark difference to what he particularly expected because he was expecting some old curmudgeony guy and then here comes this chick who's about his age and you know she's attractive and you know conrad is pleased by this conrad is pleased by this conrad will remember this (laughs) yes he will so they get to the place where they're going to take their dive Fliss yells at them and says, you really shouldn't be exploring these things without, you know, talking to the authorities first and, you know, letting professionals do their thing. Uh, But everybody basically ignores her and goes anyway. Uh, So they dive down into the ocean. Right. This is where Conrad had used his special camera to take pictures of, like, the the plane wreck that that was down there. So that everybody knew where to go. And the only two people actually got to dive. It was um, Alex and Julia. So while they're down there, they're looking for a trinket for Brad. Even though Fliss told them not to take it. And just trying to figure out where they were going and what was going on. Yeah. And while they're doing that, uh, Brad and Fliss... Conrad, I mean. Conrad brad and fliss are on board uh of the what was it ss like i don't know it's fliss's ship i forget what it's called yeah it's not incredibly relevant it's not i just remember it had a very specific name uh they're on board of that and then another ship comes by and like zooms by them and hits the diving cords cords cables i don't know tubes equipment yeah that's like floating above the water Fliss yells at them, says, don't worry, Conrad, I'll take care of it. To which Conrad completely ignores and then yells at them while going, oh, don't worry, I'll cover the cost. And then he starts throwing money into, In- into the water out of disrespect. Yeah, so the, the guys who were driving by were fishermen and their boat had been damaged. And he's like, hey, you guys need to pay for that. This is your fault. Even though they were the ones who were recklessly speeding by close to a, another boat. But somehow that's, you know, less yeah. than the crew's fault. I, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, they could it, have damaged the it, diving gear and hurt the people under the uh, under It may the water. have been a ploy to begin with. Like, oh, we think, like, they think, maybe they thought, like, we know that that boat will hurt ours, but ours won't hurt it, so we can make it look like they have to pay us for it that is plausible but we'll get to why that's plausible in yes. a little bit so um alex and, and julia finish exploring um the ship or the the plane 
in the bottom. They figured out where they were going and how they were on a rescue mission. Uh, one of the life rafts had been deployed. So on their way back up, they have to go slowly so they can decompress. And they see... Well, before that. Before that. Um, for whatever reason, because he's a genius, uh, Alex decides that while they're scuba diving is the uh, best time in the world to propose to Julia. So he pulls out this ring under the ocean and shows it to her. And for whatever reason, they can actually talk to one another while they're down there. Um, yeah, they never explained why that was happening. Yeah, I don't know. But but they could. Yeah. I, and maybe you can. I've never been scuba diving. I, I don't... Or, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a thing that wouldn't work. But... I reiterate, never been scuba diving. Anyways, she uh, said yes. Uh, but on their way back up, after we the players know that there was this beef between Conrad and these fishermen... We see these fiery explosions coming from the ship. And uh, so we had to choose if we were going to go back up um, and risk injuring ourselves or wait for the decompression. We waited for the decompression because it seemed like the best option. Uh, I made that call because I couldn't imagine that. So, so breaking the fourth wall of, of the, the game story, I couldn't imagine that anything that bad was going to happen this early in the story. Yeah. So I just kind of hung out down there, figuring it would probably be better to decompress and not risk injury um, early on. So we get up to the surface and find that it's just Conrad being dumb again. Yeah. He exploded the grill, right? Because he doesn't know how grills work. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, too much uh, lighter fluid, probably. Most likely. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, they reveal the big thing that they they are engaged now, and everybody celebrates. Yes. You know, so, flash to that night, and you get to everybody sharing ghost stories, basically. And Brad shares a story about a lighthouse. Oh yeah, which I don't remember all of the details, mostly because. It seemed like he was just making it up on the fly. I mean, he did change the weapon <laughs> because they complained. <laughs> yeah, it was like a really stereotypical, like, oh, there was a one-eyed man manning the lighthouse, and he took people up there to kill him. With, with his... an axe. Yeah. And then someone went, who uses axes? No one uses axes anymore. And he was like, fine, it was a sickle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a meat hook. Yeah, meat hook. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know why they think axe is such an old-timey concept. Like, people still need to cut wood. Uh, yeah, that's like, true. Split wood and such. Well, I mean, they were not the nicest of people. No, <laughs> they weren't. But anyways, like, the the plot of his, his really spooky horror story is that the, like, the, the, the spoiler to that is that the guy who was doing the killing was himself... So he saw himself when he discovered who was killing. It was kind of weird. But it made sense in context. Yeah. Any, anyways, they crash out for the night, go to sleep, and then something happens. Yes. Conrad is awoken by a lot of loud noises and a man standing over his bed with a large knife. Was it large? It was a knife. <laughs> uh, to which Conrad kindly gifts him a beer bottle to the head. And he, despite his efforts, is captured, and then 
they're trapped on their own ship. But, Dom, who captured them? It was the fishermen that Conrad didn't throw money at. <laughs> yeah. Have money, Ocean. Yeah. Not fishermen. Yeah, because that's a good way to stay rich. Yeah, they capture them and start questioning them on Manchurian gold. Yeah, that was what was written on one of the sheets that they found in the uh, yeah in the airplane at the bottom of the ocean. That was like the like the main thing that they found. There was Manchurian gold at this these specific coordinates. So off they went. They found that on the ship, even though their original plan with them, I think, was just to steal enough money to fix their boat. Uh, well, no, because they were trying to figure out who Julia and Conrad were, who their parents were. Oh, and yeah, they, they were trying to get a bunch of money. Yeah, so they were trying to kidnap and... Ransom. Ransom. Uh, but then they found out about the Manchurian gold, and suddenly their plans changed. And they're trying to figure out what that is, so they keep separating people and uh, questioning different people, and yeah. So we end up with... Alex and uh, Julia and Conrad trapped together in, like, the bunkhouse. Which nope. we should specify, by the way, Brad doesn't get kidnapped. Yeah, nobody knows where Brad is. Uh, nobody finds him. He's not mentioned at this point. Well, he is. They're like, where is he? And just, nobody knows. And um, it was never really explained what happened to him. Um, <laughs> Which I really don't like that really bothers me um the one the one caveat i can say is they gave me a choice um whether or not i was going to drink as brad and me being an avid non-drinker shows that he would also be a not drinker so i wonder if his sobriety is what helped him to i'm going to assume hide from the who we will now refer to as pirates yes so they question them on the manchurian gold uh, we get a radio call about if we need help or not, and we say no because they had guns and I didn't want to disobey them. I made that choice, by the way, as Fliss. Yeah, prevented uh, that. But we end up in a situation where we need to make a daring escape and try to get some help because these guys, they beat the crap out of Conrad when they questioned him. Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, Conrad was being a butt. But, like... He was the one that they were mad at. And they hadn't hurt the girls at all, or Alex. But you could see it escalating quickly if, you know, things didn't get, you know, managed. So, Conrad uses the storm to break out the window by timing hitting the window with the lightning. Or, I'm not, sorry... Not the lightning. The thunder. Either way. <laughs> well, it's a distinct difference, and I could just see a certain somebody <laughs> coming to Twitter to yell at me about getting it wrong. Whatever. Cruples. <laughs> hate that guy. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So Conrad breaks out. He gets in a position where he can either book it on a boat, which the game... Everyone in the on the ship was heavily implying, like, not even heavily implying, they were straight up suggesting that Conrad go on the ship, leave, and then come back with the help of the military. Or, like, the, the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard, yeah. The police or whatever. Yeah, so he was going to steal the pirate's little, like, fishing boat. Yes. Which, 
I had the choice between, like, fighting back or booking it on the boat. I initially chose fighting back, so I grabbed one of the dudes, had him with a knife to the throat, and they came out with one of my friends, and they, like, one of our characters, and had a gun to their head. I think it was Fliss. Yes. No, it was Alex. Was it Alex? Yes. And I decided, you know what, the helpful thing to do will be to leave on the boat. So I did that. And we never saw Conrad again. Which really personally bothered me. Because they really do do make it seem like, oh, he's going to leave and then come back with the Coast Guard. And, again, breaking the fourth wall, they're realistically just going to be more like people to watch die at the horror of the ship. Right. And that's not at all what happened. And... Like, knowing that this game is designed for the five-player multiplayer experience, uh, having a character that you can just lose this early in the game and doesn't give you the indication that they won't be back for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's really... And it's, like, different than death, too. Because if he he just died, I would have been, I would say, less upset that he just didn't come back. But, like, it just felt like he left... And I kept making jokes like, did he just start a new life? Like, did he just, like, get to shore and then, like, just go home? Like, well, I think my friends are dead. But. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, we don't see Conrad anymore uh, for the rest of it. So, what ends up happening is that the pirates uh, take control of the ship, get everybody uh, re-tied back up, and... um, they head on towards the coordinates of Manchurian Gold. Yes, which is actually the ship at the that you are in at the beginning of the first, the first game. The first section. The first part. <laughs> yeah, back to Joe's ship, but this yeah. is, I don't know, fifty years later. This ship's been floating oh, out here. Yeah, it's much more rusty and withered and creepy, and it's night in the middle of a storm, as every horror thing is. Yeah, I mean you can't have a horror setting without you know nighttime and thunderstorms yes so you go in and they trap you in a room while they're trying to figure out what the manchurian goal is uh it's four pirates by the way right uh Uh, i know there was the captain lawrence and there was junior which was the guy you domed with the the beer bottle yeah and then there was at least one other guy there was two other guys no there was only three yeah i think there was just the three yeah but, you know, having the big guns and the knives was enough to take over, you know, this group of, of individuals. Yes. So. So, as a team, you make your escape from that room and uh, try to work together. Now, at this point, it's Alex, Julia, and, and Fliss. Brad is still nowhere to be seen. I, yeah. I haven't seen him in a long while. Uh, but he... You don't for like an hour, I don't think. Yeah, and full stop there. This game's only like four hours long in total, so yeah, having another player character that sits out for that long, it kind of stinks. It it really was like, it's frustrating to have no one dead that early on, but you're already only down to like three people. Yeah. Like, so if that was five people, that's two people that are now just watching. Yeah. So that would not be the most entertaining five-player 
experience. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, the game really starts to focus on Fliss and Alex mainly. Like Julia's there, and she has a couple of parts, but it's mostly Fliss and Alex are like the two main player characters. So those the as a group, though they escape that room. Oh, one major plot point that I missed: why they these they can't just go back to their boat is that uh, the captain took off the distributor cap, which apparently oh, yes. disables their their boat. So I don't. I think it. Do, I would imagine it does for all boats. Probably. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> a mechanic, but that's what he did. So right. While we're fleeing, we see them come in and set the distributor cap down in a room, and. Fliss decides, uh, against any choice that we had as player characters, that she's going to go get it. Like, no matter what we say, she's going to go get it. So she, like, drops down to this area below and and gets her hands on it, but... Yes. She immediately got kidnapped. Again. (laughs) She's not very good at this. They took her to a different place, too. Mm -hmm. I think. Well... Alex and Julia roamed around. And the whole time you are experiencing weird shenanigans. Like seeing things and hearing things that no one else seems to be seeing 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 or hearing. Yeah, Alex and Julia will be together and Alex will see something like, Oh my god, did you see that? And Julia will be like, No, what are you talking about? Yes. And then shortly after that, Julia will be freaking out because you know, something's going on and Alex can't see it at all. So, everybody's separated, <laughs> things are getting crazy. Eventually, we do get back to Brad, and it looks like um, he wakes up on the bathroom floor by himself, and decides <laughs> to go on the ship to search for everybody. Which still bothers me. So, we play this, well, I play this section as him, uh, I'm exploring the ship, I find this bathroom that I have to hide in, uh, and one of the, like, the pirates comes by, and... I have to do another calm, stay calm section, which we do fine. But we get to this part where we can jump down or not. And I found this wrench, so I had this wrench. I was like, okay, well, it looks like the only place I can go is to jump down. So I jump down, Brad falls, and it cuts away to a different character. I'm not sure if that's what happened, but (laughs) at this point in our story, Brad, Brad died. If it was because we jumped down, because he had the wrench in his hand so he couldn't grab onto something, or because something happened later. What it was is, as he was jumping down, he looked up, and there was a guy, like, a a skeleton appeared and jump-scared him. So he just fell down without any form of control. So I think the implication is that he did that and then hit his head. Either way, he's dead. So I don't know what choice... I specifically made that resulted in Brad's death, but Brad died. And we were sad because, look, we're still pretty early on in the story and another character's out. And, like, we only had him for, like, a little bit. Yeah, I think we played, what, two, maybe three sections as Brad? Yeah, when that happened. Which is similar to what we had for Conrad, just, like, two. I, yeah, and... Conrad's wasn't even like in the ship yet. It yeah. was just at the very beginning of the game. So then we're down to three characters. And that's all we get like for the rest of the game. Yes. 
while we're trying to figure out how to get the distributor cap or how to save ourselves or or something that we can do to get out of the situation all the while we have the pirates who are searching the ship for us and they're freaking out too and they're seeing stuff and it it doesn't make sense to anybody why there's this craziness happening there's a handful of jump scares that we came across where <laughs> there was like, the goosebumps one <laughs> well you now you have to explain what you mean by the goosebumps one. <laughs> there was one there was one where i was looking through a vent and i don't know why i do this but whenever i see a game trying to make itself scary i'll just like sing the goosebumps theme song to myself I'll but, even do that in real life if I'm just in darkness with people. Let me tell you, it cuts the tension like you wouldn't believe. <sighs> and so I was just looking at a vent, and like you look at the vent go, and you start scrolling left to right, and I was just like, boom, 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 because ah. <laughs> there was a there was like a go a, a goblin face at the end of the vent. I don't know how else it was. It was a golem. There was. There weren't many jump scares. And yeah, I don't, it wasn't excessive. It was mostly just an eerie feeling. Mm -hmm. Like the passing of shadows at the end of a hallway or just sounds that don't really make that much sense to be heard. Which I think is a better way to do a horror thing. Because a feeling of unease, in my opinion, is much more effective than a simple jump scare. Mm-hmm. Without getting into too much more of a nitty-gritty, and I know we've, we've explained a lot about it, the game ends with us battling the captain, playing as Fliss, and he's got the distributor cap, and you're trying to do whatever you can to get away from him, and he's got this big hammer, <laughs> and he's swinging around like a madman, and trying to hit fliss or anybody else who gets near him yes um and as fliss is wrestling with him trying to get the distributor cap uh julia falls uh, yeah. arrives shenanigans ensue they defeat the captain get the distributor cap i think when the captain is the main bad guy they could have done him a lot better because for me, at the very least, he just seemed funny. Like, he was just silly at that point, which is not what you want for a horror villain. There was this scene where he's running down the hallway, and he's just banging on walls, and he's just going crazy. And you have to do the heartbeat thing. And he's just, like, talking like a child, and how one point he just goes, I'm gonna hit things with my big freaking hammer! And then proceeds to hit things with his big freaking hammer. And so I just, we just laughed and we're like, oh, okay, well, he's big hammer man. And then later, every time he's running while holding the sledgehammer, he, I don't know how else to describe it, he runs like a monkey. He hits this really goofy gait as he's running. Yeah. So I think in terms of like a villain, he could have been better. What, what, sorry, what'd you ask the ending? Okay, so we, we got to the end, and we have Alex, Julia, and, and Fliss. They all survived the the encounter and got away on the boat. But Brad was dead. Yes. They were sad. Which, 
I'll talk about that more later. And then credits roll, and we still have no idea what's happened to Conrad. Yeah. Uh, only for after the credits roll, you see a cutscene with Conrad coming up with the Coast Guard, and then they see the ship, see that you're not there, go in to investigate the scenario, only to go crazy and die by the spooky the, things. The ghost chick, yeah. 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 Let's talk a little bit about... So we've already kind of touched on like the primary mechanics. Yes. This is the decision making and like the quick time events and the uh, the stay calm rhythm game. Which did you even have to do one of those when we played? I don't think I did. Yeah, I got lucky and got all of those. <laughs> yes, you got all of the main characters. I kind of got all the side characters. Uh, Fliss was a main character. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it was like Fliss and Alex were the main ones. Julia was even a side character. Yeah. I felt like... I feel like Conrad could have had a bigger role had he stuck around. But um, if you were going to have him be a main character, I don't see why you would give that option so early. And see, that's the thing about these these interactive movie games and the way that Supermassive decided to do it is that it's really like the choose-your-own-adventure of video games and they have to have lots of different outcomes so several characters need to be the main character yeah you can't just be one that makes sense in their previous game until dawn it was very clear that mike and sam were the main characters yeah and like no matter what you would do sorry spoilers for until dawn if you haven't played it but no matter what you would do like they wouldn't they couldn't die until, like, the very end of the game. Yeah. And that was, like, because they were the main driving forces behind the story. They had a lot of plot armor. Yeah. And I think they did a good job of not having that in this game. Yes. But I think it trades some of, like, the main power the story can have when anything can happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how did we feel about the ending that we got? Yeah, sorry. I felt like it was really inconclusive, frankly. Uh, we were both kind of sitting there like, that was it? Like, <laughs> I just remember, we both beat it and we didn't even really realize we beat it. And I think we made a joke like, game ends. And then th- the credits rolled and we were like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was, it felt like kind of an abrupt ending. Like, even though we had taken on the ship captain, there was still, like, the spooky stuff happening. Yeah. Nothing felt solved. It just felt like we specifically were done. Yeah. Like I said, we had no idea what was going on with Conrad. At one point, we radioed for help, but nothing came of that. Yeah. And, yeah. So, let's shift to graphics and, and specifically like the character design yes so as far as the character designs mr yes. artist what <laughs> did you think well another this is another game where the people were done by uh people in mocap suits called mocap right motion capture yeah yes uh so i think most games are probably done like that unless they're like 2d at this point yeah so they kind of just looked like people. <laughs> um, Conrad, uh, fun fact about him, he's a, he's uh, the person he was Jack in 
uh, Quantum Break, which we did an episode on before. That was our, our inaugural episode. Oh, it was. So, wow. welcome back, John <laughs> Ashmore, a.k.a. Jack from Quantum Break. We're sorry that you didn't get to be in the story more. I'm sorry that I frequently confuse your twin with you. I hope you understand why. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, his twin is older. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, you dug this hole. You can, you can get out of it. His twin grayed earlier than I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just dies. Um, his brother. Yes. Anyway. Uh, specifically, um, animation of all of the characters felt strangely wooden for being a mocap. Everyone moved kind of stiff and weird, like in ways that I don't feel like you see people move. Just fall a little off. As I previously talked about the guy who runs like a chimpanzee, uh, there was just a lot of weird facial expressions too. Like either characters looked a little too blank and dead inside, or they looked a little cartoonish. It was weird sometimes. So, like, the characters in general, at least from my non-artist perspective, were, well, they were kind of stiff, and it, it didn't feel as alive, especially when you contrast it to the backgrounds and environments, because yes. those were fantastic. Everything was well done. Everything you know, looked great. Um, I, I haven't mentioned it up until now, but this game is um, Xbox X Enhanced. So, like, yes. if you have an Xbox One X, then, it, like, it's enhanced compared to, like, Xbox One S. Right. Or PlayStation 4 non-pro. And it shows, like, the graphics and textures themselves are very good. Yeah, so I don't know, well, I, I mean, I guess I could have tested what it would have looked like uh, otherwise, because I still have my Xbox One S. Yeah. But I didn't test what it looks like in comparison this time around, but... Uh, the environments were great backgrounds and like like the spooky stuff was great it's just like the characters that you played yeah. as and i think it was more specifically the characters that we played as versus like some of the pirates they weren't as yeah. bad i don't know why that was that was very strange and you would think they'd put more effort specifically into those characters yeah but... you, and it may have been like the choices and the branching paths may have yeah. made a difference but it's hard to tell without being on the development side of that. Yes. I really liked all of the backgrounds and environments, too. They did, again, a really good job of being eerie. Uh, what did you think of the music? What did you think of the music? I shouldn't have made it sound like the beginning of the list. <laughs> okay, so, like you had mentioned before, this game does a really good job of like setting like the, the ambiance of the situation. I don't know. I guess I'm bad at music because there's not like any music or tracks that stand out to me. But like the the feel of exploring these places, yeah, uh, was very evident. I and enhanced by the soundtrack and the sound effects. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I would say this is one of those games that I feel like there's a lot of games that have recently fallen into a category like either the music jumps out at you and really like takes over everything you know in a way or the music just kind of lays back and you don't really notice it 
until you like listen to the soundtrack exclusively which are two extremes that i personally don't like okay can you expand on that i wish this game did a better job at integrating the music into like what's happening you know and i know that's hard to do because it's a video game so everyone's moving at their own pace so it's really hard to get the music to go with a pace of a random person yeah but this this style of game it has more agency in that true because it's very scripted and you know like the choices are laid out and the things yeah uh, happen as they happen like okay so when we had like the the calm stay calm scenes like yeah. the, the music tension and the heartbeat yes like that was you know that was fairly intense for the situation that it was and i did actually at one point fail one of those and you would think that failing that would result in a death but uh i guess it kind of did because it resulted in the death of our rebreather which is like the diving gear that they had it hurt the man with the big hammer yeah he hit he ended up hitting the the diving gear instead what do you think of the voice acting i think that it was okay i think they kind of leaned into like the tropey stuff a bit too much uh yeah like specifically julia was really annoying and like stuck up and i didn't like her character really at all like she didn't have a whole lot that was redeeming to her and i feel like the way that her her voice actress i don't want to say she did a bad job because i don't think she did right i think she did a good job at doing what she was doing i just didn't like the direction of her character i guess yeah it's not really against the voice actress but well julia kind of felt like the i'm gonna repeat what you say character you know and that's what bugs me is like she kind of felt like someone would go i think there's something down the hallway and she would go there's something down the hallway and then you were just like yeah <laughs> like <laughs> it just got annoying after a point which is well was my biggest issue with her yeah, but once again that's not the actress's fault it's, it's the script the script but... and the direction and but yeah. i feel like they they did uh a, a fair job with it yeah and I do wonder, because we didn't get to see most of Conrad, and I would imagine, because he's been in several games that we've talked about here, and I've seen, like, I've looked him up and he's been in other games. So I wonder if, like, he would have done better as, like, possibly the most experienced video game actor actor there. I don't know that for sure. Uh, he's the most recognizable one for us, but that doesn't yeah. mean that the other like the other voice cast wouldn't have known more. We find out, like, Alex was Mario or something. <laughs> it's not Charles Mornet. I can guarantee you that. That would have been so rad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it would have been a very different story for Charles Marnette to be trying to marry Julia, okay? He would have taken the hammer from him and then Donkey Konged all around. Just, like, busting down doors. <laughs> um... <laughs> I wanted to ask specifically, because the Dark Pictures Anthology is very much based off of, and I, they actually include a video about this in the game, where they talk about some inspirations, and they talk about Twilight Zone, and they talk about like horror movies that did certain things they tried to incorporate in the game. So I wanted to know, how do you think this experience stacks up to 
a classic horror movie. Hmm. Well, I think that... Uh, let me preface this by saying I, I haven't watched a ton of classic horror movies beyond, like, you know, 80s slashers type stuff, which I don't well, think is I what think you're referring to. I kind of am. Because, like, that's somewhat of the... And we want again, we watched a video on this beforehand, but it it's kind of Friday the 13th-ish. Which, to be fair, I haven't watched, but I know, like, the premise being... You don't... Dumb kid go dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like uh, the option for people to die or live is a, a cool thing that they do in this game. And I think that it, you know, does a good job of, of capturing, like, that essence of that type of thing. And it's very much going for that feel. Yes. Like, the multiplayer mode is even called um, Movie Night. Yes. You know, so that I think it did a, a good job at that. One thing that I want to to mention that I don't know how it didn't come up. Uh, there is another semi relevant character uh, we hadn't discussed uh, is the curator, who is oh, like, yeah, he's like the narrator for things, and he's like giving you direction and hints and stuff. He's kind of just a British guy that talks to you about what's happening while he. It's reading a book. Yeah, he'll, he'll pop in and be like, hey, doing a pretty good job so far. Or, hey, you're not doing a good job <laughs> yeah. so far. Turns out you let somebody die. That's not that's not good. Maybe don't do that. He also showed up in the game. And, like, I'm actually really curious. I want, if someone can, to tell us, if you noticed this too, if you've played this, like, he would pop up. In the corners of rooms during the game. Like, the game game. Not the part where he is like, oh, well, that guy's dead. He would show up, like, just in the corner in a cutscene. And then the camera would move, and he's not there. I don't know if that was just there was something else there, and we interpreted it as the curator. But... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was him. And it, it was a dude wearing a suit. It was the only person I could think of. And he was never acknowledged. Yeah. It was just weird makes me wonder like what he is you know that makes yeah. him seem like more than human almost and i am interested to see how he plays into the overarching story of the dark pictures anthology knowing that this is the jumping off point and that the um, yes you know the sequel little hope is already out and i know they're working on the third one already which is due to come out this year yes what's that one called again because they, they reference it in the game I don't remember what that one's called, but the like I said, the one that's coming out now is Little Hope, and it's based in Salem, and that's where we get into like our extra bits. There was tons of hints for the upcoming game. Oh yeah, uh, that we came across. There was like a book that was about Salem, and Conrad had that shirt. Yeah. And then one of the mechanics that uh, the game has, which I don't know how helpful it actually is, but there's these pictures you can find. And if you find them... The, like the dark pictures. <laughs> I don't know if that's the implication. They can be. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's bad. But, like, yeah. um, as you find them, like, it gives you a, a glimpse of what could happen in the future. And this is... They did the same thing in um, Until Dawn. But I don't think they were very useful there, either. But one of the ones that we came across was called Little Hope. Yes. And it had completely different characters. And I was, as I'm watching, like, the story thing play out, I'm like... 
who even are these people? What's happening? It was this, very confusing for both of us. This makes no sense. Uh, like, they're not even on the ship. And then, like, <laughs> oh, it's... It's a little hope. It's, like, the picture Which, is called Little Hope. So it's like, here's a preview of what we've got coming. It's really fun. And, like, also, I do like that they did this. Because it reminded me so much of, like, watching a horror movie. Because there's a trailer for Little Hope after the credits. And after Connor's conrad's cutscene sorry short become human <laughs> no uh after his cutscene there's a trailer for little hope like normally i kind of would have been like okay don't shoot don't plug shoehorn your stuff in like i'm gonna play it anyway <laughs> uh and i just thought it was cool because they were, you could tell that they were doing it like well it's a movie yep here here's the next one and we're gonna be true to the the trailer uh origin and put it at the end instead yeah. of at the beginning uh like they do now why did they change that it's just because people didn't stay and watch the trailers probably yeah but, if pe- it's a, but, at- that, but now people just wait and then miss a part of a, the beginning part of the movie sometimes because they're trying to avoid trailers so all they've done is made it worse for people <laughs> Yeah, but see, they're they're getting more of a captive audience from having the trailers at the beginning, like especially in a theater, you know. And on DVDs and stuff, you can skip them a lot of the times, and the ones that you can't, you just throw them out the window, you know. Yeah. It's like who who does that? Can you imagine watching the same like maybe maybe it's your favorite movie ever, you know? Maybe maybe yeah. it's uh what's your favorite movie? Barbie Sparkling Horses. Yeah. Maybe it's Barbie Sparkling no, Horses. It's- Barbie's Barbie the Magical Fairy Princess. Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Barbie the Magical <laughs> Fairy Princess. And it's got ads for 12 other Barbie movies that have to play before it every time you want to watch it. And that would get a little tired if you just want to watch your 90-minute movie. Yeah. And there's 20 minutes of ad. Yeah. Speaking of length of, like, movies, I did want to talk about, like, this isn't a very long game, and... It, we it's about four hours, so I'm kind of in a weird place with it because I feel like it's too long for a movie, not long enough for a game. Which, to be fair, it's only twenty dollars. So like now, but that's not what it was at launch. What was that at launch? It was either thirty or forty. See that launch, and it's on Game Pass now. But you know, and that comes down to the value. Like if if you so we've only played through it one time and we've talked about going back and, and trying to get other endings. Cause there's an ending where you can save everybody and there's an ending where nobody lives and you know, trying to get some of those. But like, if you're not in it for, you know, all of that, then, you know, the one time through it might not be worth it, but it just depends on how much you enjoy these style of games. Yeah. I and think you've kind of already spoiled it. Cause you said we're going to get little hope. So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously, it was enough for you. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed it. It it was fun. I want to see... I'm curious to see the progression from... Like, in just the gameplay and art and stuff. Like, from Man of Dan to Little Hope. Do you think that... Okay, so we also played Until Dawn before the busted backlog. Yes. And I feel like there was some, like, steps back from Until Dawn. And I'm guessing that's probably related to the budgets. Because being, you know, a Sony exclusive, I'm sure that Sony threw a ton of money at them. Yes. And probably staff to make it a bigger and, and better experience. But knowing that they're putting one out a year and, 
you know, they're trying for this big anthology thing. Do you really think that they're going to be able to innovate on the gameplays in significant manners going forward? Or do you think they're going to stick to the formula that they have that works for them? exactly sure yet. I think they're going to stick to the formula. I'm just thinking, like, I hope that some of the character animation can be less doofy. Because, like, I know I was doing the Goosebumps thing, and that does cut tension, which is not what you want. But it also cuts tension when a certain animation for a character just looks doofy and like the the run like you just get stuck on it you know mm-hmm. it takes you out of it the monkey run yeah like it makes it feel less threatening i i just want the character animation to be more realistic and less like wooden yeah then that would be a a big boon for like the company as a whole but i bring you back to you know one year development cycles and yes this is a more you know straightforward less like probably gameplay um intensive game but even so yeah i feel like they should have come if they were going to commit to a cycle like that i would say like two years at most at least i mean and you know, the next one might be longer just because of the pandemic and working from home and yeah, how do you get motion capture? But last I heard, um, which I haven't looked into it too deep, but the the one the next one is due to come out in like around that November October time, uh, just like the last one. Okay. A little hope did. So. Oh, because horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Okay. They know they know when when the strike. I do think it would be interesting. And I've actually heard people talk about this online. If How interesting would it be if we got to a point where video games like that, where they are essentially just movies, but with decisions, um, in a movie theater there's buttons so that you can... Like, so, kind of as an audience, take the... Yeah, everyone votes on, a, on an action. And I think there would have to be... And this is kind of a dumb thing but i think there would have to be like a movie theater version that has less potentials for death because i do believe well i don't know depends on how big the group is but i would i would believe that groups of people would think it's funny to try and kill off the characters as soon as they possibly can just to waste everyone's time yeah that i mean i can imagine people doing it and you know i i I get where you're coming from and i think something like that would be Instead of like a theater setting where you're like you have you're paying fifty bucks to between popcorn and soda and yeah. a ticket to sit down and experience less that. than the game costs you. <laughs> yeah, more. I mean, I meant more. Yeah, you do that in like a stream type setting. Yeah. So like, okay, not that it's available anymore because life, but in Telltale's The Walking Dead season three. They had a, like a streamer mode where like oh, people yeah. could log on and vote for your choices. Yes, and you know play you could play the game that way, and so something like that could work for like streaming a game like this. But then you what? have to build in more time and things like yeah. quick time events can't be like yeah. the the deciding factor because failing a quick time event is you know a lot of times a deciding factor on whether or not a character. That can often be fatal. Yeah. And, uh, like, does that make sense from, like, a tension point? But as far as, like, let's well, I let... I think they would the, have to take about... It, especially if it was a movie theater, they'd have to take out quick time events. Well, yeah. 
Because it's going to be like, ah, pressing the wrong buttons. <laughs> yeah. And trying to sabotage, and that somebody would be you. It wouldn't. <laughs> I would I would love to see that in movie theaters. I actually only brought it up because I recently saw an article where there was a movie theater somewhere in California because that's where everything like cool like that happens. Freaking California. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys get really cool movie theaters and wildfires and... <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> well, it's just... I don't know. I, I think it was California. They were... Consi- there was a movie theater considering it. Like doing telltale games or not telltale games it was something like short like games like that so i mean if that was implemented i think that'd be the dark pictures anthology would be great for it and Mm -hmm. it could almost be like a it would be a whole event and everyone every time you could go there would be a different experience pop maybe hopefully okay but what how would you adjust like the price of admission for something like that would I you make know. it you know less less than a standard movie but it's a more interactive experience so would you make it more than a standard movie because like a movie theater ticket it's a is, tough situation because you can't really charge more than the game because that's a gonna be a definite like oh i'm just gonna buy the game at home why would i go here and do it which people already do with movies or, so, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to watch a streamer play it, so I can... Yeah, it's not... There would be different re- definite reasons why it wouldn't work, but I think it'd be so interesting to see it work. Yeah, I think that I think it could be cool, but I think there's, like you said, some kinks that would have to be hammered out. Yeah. So anything else you, you had on this that you wanted to get mm. off your chest? Not that I could think of. Yeah, so my my one hope for the Dark Pictures Anthology as a whole is... Your little hope? My little hope for the Dark (laughs) Pictures Anthology as a whole (laughs) is that it doesn't fall into, like, the same trap that the Telltale games did, where by the time Telltale was shut down, so many people were just burnt out on the formula that they had. I really hope that they can find a way to, you know, keep... The gameplay just as interesting as like the stories are, because I I feel like how if, many games are they planning on putting in it? I don't know what an anthology is. I don't think that there's a specific number associated with the anthology, and and if I'm wrong, Ryan Mathman Craig, uh, please let me know. Uh, right, but I right think now it looks like a trilogy. I think well, I, we know for sure that there's going to be a trilogy, but I think there's supposed to be five or six. Okay, well, um, then yeah. But like, for a gate like a development studio to dedicate itself to that many like games, in like the sim- same series is yeah you know that's pretty bold, you know how long did it take for I don't know Grand Theft Auto to release a new one five yeah I mean we've I been playing Grand they're... Theft Auto five since you know the three sixty era yeah I was like, gonna say like that was. And now it, they're not changing anything going into the next generation. There is no, they're still they're at, well they're updating it with new story stuff for online, but just online. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's something, I guess. Yeah. But when you have one of the best-selling games in the world consistently, despite the fact that it's been out forever, I guess you wouldn't need to. Yeah. But you know, tangent aside, like yes. I I hope that they can... As most tangents are. <laughs> I hope that they can keep it interesting. It's a math joke for you, Craig. 
Craig? I don't like, know. You're just calling him his last yeah, name I'm now? Yeah, I'm just going to call him Craig because it feels like a weird name. Okay, but like you, you mean like... I mean well, math, man. Yeah. But I was gonna... not, not the Halo Craig that everyone loves and adores. I haven't played Halo, so I don't know who that Craig is. You do. It's from Halo Infinite trailer. The, oh. The Craig face that everybody put everywhere. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you say just Craig, that's that's what comes to mind for me. Okay. <laughs> Ryan. Craig. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a first name basis with him. I'm not official. Look, you've been on the show. You, I mean, you could call him Mr. Craig. He's a teacher. That's true. He's not my teacher. <laughs> but he does work at a, a college, and they're generally less yeah. formal there. So it, it could go either way. Though he could be your teacher. You I, could sign up. It would be great. He, he, t- he teaches online classes now. Does he? Yeah. You could just go to his streams. He has tons of archived math stuff. I'm not. <laughs> He's got free education. What do you mean you're not? <laughs> I don't want to do math. Math is fun, Dom. That's what Robin Sparkles said. Oh, but... <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, she did. All right. Before we get any more off track, uh, let's wrap it up and... For the folks out there who are now interested in playing this game, where can they get it and how much will it be? Uh, you can get it on PlayStation, Xbox, PC for $20. If you Again, if you want to get it in a bundle with Little Hope, you can get it for 50 Alright, so uh, this has been the Busted Backlog. My name is Mike. You can find me on Twitter at BlazeKnight0923. And... Oh. <laughs> I'm... You, I'm Kruples. You can find me on Twitter as at Kruples. Yes, but your name isn't Kruples. Your name is Dom. My name is Dom. Your Twitter name is Kruples. And well, you used your fake name. I said Mike. Oh, you did say Mike. I'm really sorry. <laughs> he means it. <laughs> but if you want to contact the show in general, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Backlog underscore Busters. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great night and send we'll, it, send or day, an, whatever. <laughs> send an apple emoji to to Ryan Mathman Craig. Yes, apple emoji. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs>